Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 73 with service to Gaborone, Botswana, and the number one ladies detective agency. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you lose a finger on this flight, while you may not be entitled to monetary compensation, we can definitely at least give you a drink voucher that has to be used on this flight. Maybe a hug? Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? Oh, so we've we've narrowed down that we're flying Delta on all these flights, huh? <laughs> no no cash. <laughs> no cash, only vouchers. Max, how are you doing today, bud? Oh, I'm, I'm delightful. I'm excited to continue on with this block of international shows, these international flights. I've got my passport ready. I'm down to solve some mysteries. Let's get to it. <laughs> So, bad news, boys. I actually lost my passport on the way to this flight, so I might just be stuck at the airport. We might have a <laughs> uh, a, a problem. All right. Well, I guess today on TVPO, we're doing movies. We're doing the Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks classic, The Terminal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I refuse that to be for that to be my life. But, boys, I am genuinely so excited for us to be continuing International Month by talking about a show that debuted in the UK but is based out of Botswana called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency. Um, But for those who are just finding our podcast, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. learn a little bit more about how these shows came to be and were originally made if they're effect- it. if they're effective pilot episodes and make us want to watch more and if we think they can be made today go back and stream our old episodes from wherever you get podcasts check us out on youtube you see our smiling faces uh, if it is your first time flying with us then welcome aboard and rich sometimes you come in with something a little bit extra i'm curious what is your question of the week just sometimes, only 73 times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to know, um, obviously, this uh, the premise of this show starts with our protagonist inheriting 180 head of cattle uh, to like essentially sell and start her own business. I want to know what kitschy small business are you guys starting with? I don't know how much 180 cattle are worth. That's that's my that's my coastal privilege. But <laughs> I want to know what business are you guys starting with that inheritance? Max, I'm curious from your perspective. What are you thinking? Uh, well, first off, Rich, uh, you and Vogue magazine both now have 73 questions. So congratulations. <laughs> Hire me. Uh, listen, there's there's only one thing that comes to mind. <laughs> if I inherit this amount of cattle, I assume I'm inheriting the land in which these cattle graze. I'm building a mini golf course. We're building a <laughs> hell yeah. We're building a putt putt shack. <laughs> Wait, what the hell are you? What are you gonna do with the rest of the land? Just build a regular golf course? No, 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 no. You don't understand. I, I've had like, I don't know. One of my weird dreams when I was a little kid is I want to build and design my own miniature golf course. This is a thing that when <laughs> I, I mean, was this young, does this does track. Max is a man who is very close to the area of New England and. If you've ever been to New England, you can't really go anywhere without seeing a putt-putt course. When, when, uh, I, so. when I was young, I drew out all 
18 holes for a miniature <laughs> golf course. Uh, this is my passion project. It is going to be self-financed. This is like my like Francis Ford Coppola, like insane <laughs> business venture. Uh, this is him selling like kind of mediocre Cabernet to your family for decades so that he could self-finance a $100 million movie. I am building a miniature golf course. <laughs> this is where we find out that Max's dream is to be a producer on Holy Moly, uh, brought to you by ABC. <laughs> we're um, doing that pilot next week, I guess. <laughs> yes, I, I guess we're done with International Month. Um, well, so you you boys know I'm a nerd. Um, so I had to dig deeper into this question, Rich. Um, so... In case you all are curious, uh, the average price of a cow in Botswana is about $180, uh, or excuse me, $387.50. So if we're doing just the math, it's about $70,000 that we're talking about starting a business with. That's a a really nice amount of money. Um, To give you an idea, to open a uh, steak and shake, you only need... $30,000 $30,000 to do that. <laughs> so you're going to so do you could, two and a third steak and shakes? <laughs> you, you could open two steak and shakes, but that's not my dream. Wait, uh, wait, wait. My, a steak and shake franchise only costs you $30,000 to get an operator's license? Yeah, this this is a different podcast, but if you want to start a franchise, uh, you need about $30,000. It's and like then, 100 grand to open a subway, and you basically just need a small hallway for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it... <laughs> It's a partial franchisee model. It's a little bit weird, but we can talk about that another time and talk about the excellence of Mr. Kelly. Uh, But (laughs) the the number one ladies steak and shake franchise in Botswana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in all honesty, one of the dreams that like I low key have is I would love to open like a little bit more of a modern bodega. The problem is where I live, I don't think that would survive. So mm. I need to move somewhere that would have like breakfast sandwiches, nice coffee and pastries. Yeah, and Jeff, we call them food paper. deserts. They're, they're, they're food deserts in New York. That's why we have <laughs> bodegas. <laughs> people, people are lacking nutrition. So, Rich, I'm curious about you. You you have 180 cow. What are you doing? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So much cow. Um, also, if you kept some of the cows for the steak and shake, that's that's uh, that's vertical it just integration. Makes sense. I'm I'm <laughs> saving money at that point. <laughs> All right. So I thought about this a little bit, and I one of the coolest classes that I went to last year was uh, finally doing some pottery throwing. Uh, it was extremely relaxing. I had a great time, but the entire time you have the internal thought of what if I just destroyed what I'm making? (laughs) So I am opening the very first combination pottery throwing slash break room where you get to make a giant vase and then you get to smash it with a bat. I love it. I'm (laughs) sharks. (laughs) It is the balance of the calm and the anger, you know? All right, so we've got a uh, we've got a pottery studio slash rec room. We've got a mini golf course, and we got Jeff's cute little Instagram girly shoppy shop. Great, yeah, exactly. We're gonna thrive. I have no doubts. We have everything you need. Um, well, Jeff, Rich, Jeff is selling artisanal tin fish, and I'm smashing pottery. You're you're making the plates for his shop. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rich, such thank low you for, bowls. Thanks for that delightful question, Rich. Um, let's dive in a little bit more into this week's show. Uh, 
number one ladies detective agency now if you are looking for the show or want to watch this before you listen to the podcast you can actually find it on max uh not max our host hbo's max yeah i'll, I'll recap i'll recap the episode i'll recap <laughs> yeah. the show for you <laughs> yeah go go follow max on twitter uh, slash x and he'll recap the entire show tweet by tweet yeah uh, what do you want to know but, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the show's synopsis. Uh, Precious uh, Ramatswe launches the first ever female detective agency in Botswana. She embarks on various adventures while investigating cases and must also overcome several challenges in her quest. Yep. That's, I, that, I'd say it's pretty solid. I think that's a really one of the more solid explanations we've gotten. It is very much face value. I just, um, I, I think all uh, synopses of shows should just say hijinks and Sue after the first sentence. I, I just want hijinks and Sue. It just covers absolutely every show that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, I, I could just imagine. Walter White <laughs> is a Walter White is a high school chemistry teacher. Hijinks and Hi-jinx Sue. And Sue. <laughs> I mean, they, they did. <laughs> Bugs, um, I'm I'm genuinely curious. How did this show end up at the BBC and on so, HBO? Today we are talking about the pilot of the Number One Ladies Detective Agency, titled The Number One Ladies Detective Agency, which originally aired on March 23rd, 2008, on the BBC. And we'll be talking about the show's creator, Anthony Mangella. Uh, so this is a Peabody Award-winning TV series we are covering today based on a series of novels of the same name written by author Alexander McCall Smith. First published in 1998, the series has gone on to spawn a total of now 24 books, with the Mm. most recent edition coming out September of 23. The novel's rights were optioned by Academy Award-winning director Anthony Magella, who is a huge fan of the series and had written forwards for their paperback installations. Magella is known as the Best Picture winner, Helmer of the English Patient, as well as Oscar-nominated films, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Cold Mountain, and Michael Clayton. He originally originally approached McCall Smith to adapt the series for the screen. McCall Smith declined, although served as an executive producer and was heavily involved in its production. Instead, to assist with writing, Mangella brings on Oscar nominee Richard Curtis, who's known for his work on Rob Cobb's Four Weddings at a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, and the Mr. Bean TV show. Woo! My favorite rom-com. Uh, so getting actually into the production, producer Amy Moore worked with Magella on traveling through Botswana and helped secure funding from the government to shoot production entirely on location. This was originally conceived as a feature film, and it wasn't until shooting began the story shifted into being a series. Uh, basically, Magella was worried that audiences ha- would have these preconceived notations of what a crime drama or detective show should be. And as we saw, and as we'll get into, and if you're familiar with this production... That's not really the tone of the show. Uh, There is not a ton of action. There's a lot of comedic elements to it. And so he says, we're not going to put a movie out there that people won't understand. We're going to shift it on the fly to being a TV show and retool this entire thing. Producers actually sign a 10-year lease on the property for the town where the agency, Salad, and most of our action takes place in Gavaron, and they hoped that the series would be able to work through all of McCall Smith's novels. The pilot mini-movie was set to premiere on the BBC in March 20, on March 23, 2008, but unfortunately, five days before its premiere, Mangella died from surgery complications. 
The show, after the mini-movie, was picked up for a six-episode season order by the BBC, which premiered the following year. It was later picked up by HBO for U.S. distribution. Um, I'm just going to address what probably comes across from a lot of the things I said in that description, which is that although this show is shot on location in Botswana, uh, there is pretty much half of its script being in Setswana. It is the creation, cultivation of a, a, lot, a lot of white men. And mm. I think this is an example of how even 15, 20 years ago, you could have a show that is still, that is so rich in diversity from uh, the, the language, the song, the dance, um, just like all the cultural elements that make this show feel so warm and lived in. But when you get above the line, when you get into its producers, its writers, directors, even the fact that the novelist who did the books was someone who grew up in a British colony of South Rhodesia, now known as Zimbabwe, it's hard to ignore those details. And I do think it shows how, yes, in 15, 16 years, we've come a long way with how this is represented on screen, but there's still so much more work to do. But it doesn't, I don't know if it like, does it take away from the fact that like, they still put this story on screen and Magilla invested so much time into making this a passion project after doing these big Hollywood blockbusters like Cold Mountain and Michael Clayton to want to do something like this? Well, I mean, the popularity of the series obviously lends like is pretty massive. Like, I, you know, before we agreed to do this, I had not actually not heard of the book series at all. But, I, you know, I guess it's there's something to be said for the ability to have those stories being told and like even on the BBC. Mm -hmm. And of course, it had to come from an extremely white like package to do that. Um, you know, we're starting to see a lot more um, diversity initiatives and in the shows that are being made. And unfortunately, a lot of pushback against those now, which, you know, is, is such a bummer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. It, it's hard to it's hard to talk about this show and its uniqueness and like its like mainstream acceptance without acknowledging the fact that it took a lot of white people to bring the story about Botswana or, or from Botswana um, to you know to the actual forefront. You know, who knows what would have happened if it was someone who's native to Botswana that actually pitched this? Yeah, I mean, there. I have such mixed feelings about this, right? Because I think that credit where credit is due in taking something that might not be a guaranteed hit and telling a story that might not be one that normally we're used to seeing told. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We now live in a time where we expect to see more representation of the people who are not only being represented on screen, but also behind the camera as well. And um, I, th I think it is fair for us to look at this show from the lens of, hey, we expect more from producers in Hollywood and studios as well, um, not only in the United States, but around the world, in all honesty. But we can also look at this as something that was unique for its time, in mm -hmm. all honesty, of being willing to say, hey, we are going to make the show that's about Botswana in Botswana. And as much as, you know, executives for the show, writer, director, we're all white men. Um, sure. They also made a very distinct effort in using local 
folks to be part of the crew, mm -hmm. uh, to be on screen as well in some instances. And I, I don't want to forgive. I just also want to note that some progress was, in fact, made. It's just not as much as we expect in and this time. And it was time. 16 years ago, too. And things are a little different now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, for a massive, massive, massive network to take a chance on a story from Botswana in 16 years ago, I guess... Uh, uh, you know, I I don't see a lot of American uh, production houses or, exactly. or networks taking that chance at all. So, that's, you know, that's very true. Yeah, um, it, took, well, it took the mind behind Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> what what I will say is we'll talk a little bit more about that when it comes to the legacy of the show, because I, I do think that there was some impact to the show because of some of those things. Um, let's dive into the show. One thing. Um, for folks who are listening to this podcast, normally, sometimes we do beat by beat. Sometimes we talk about the entirety of a plot. This is a almost a two hour long pilot. This is basically a movie. Oh yeah. So, did I say mini movie? I meant feature length film. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even folks watching during the, like watching an Avengers film would be like, oh, this is, this is a lot. So instead I think that it's going to be important for us to just talk about some of the things that we really loved about in this pilot. And I do want to start off with just the beginning of this show. Not only do we have a very sweet, um, unique animation style that is used for the actual like intro card, but meeting our protagonist, Precious, is something that I thought was really well done. Learning about someone's morals through their relationship with their father and also seeing the beautiful landscape of Botswana was something that we haven't really experienced before, but I found so refreshing and delightful. Yeah, I think the two bits in like the character introduction gave to our protagonist I like the most. Um, understanding like what makes this person from childhood want to pursue this lifelong passion of being a private eye, like even though everyone in their life thinks it's this crazy idea. I love the idea of a protagonist just dedicating their life to somebody that everyone thinks is like a pie in the sky dream. Mm -hmm. And I like it actually coming from like an altruistic perspective. Um, it's described as wanting to help people, to help Africa, to like do good in the community. It's not that grizzled private eye of like eh, you know my my wife left and i'm gonna find the man who you know stole her heart and so i drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes and i talk in a noir voice like it's it's not that <laughs> um it also has such a fun transition shot from childhood to adulthood we yes. see we see our main character driving like away into the background in a car as a child and then the car drives back towards us into the foreground and it's her as an adult i love that transition to show that yeah. time has passed it's a delightful <laughs> choice yeah yeah it, it's just such a beautiful landscape that they painted and the first two minutes three minutes i think uh, of it were were really just like a love letter to botswana in general and that was pretty lovely i you know you don't see a lot of that especially uh, especially in American shows of just like, I, I'm like, I, I think the closest example that I've seen recently is the bear and their portrayal of Chicago, but also it's like a love hate thing with Chicago where it's like, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It's the best city ever. Also, everyone's miserable here. 
Yeah, and I I think that one of the things that this show does is when you hear about Africa, especially from the Western perspective, it is all about, oh, yeah, it is going on safari, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, seeing the animals. But this show... Tourism. ...decides to take the perspective of, like, yeah, there's more than that. There's people. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about the people instead of... And have that be the focus of this show and we start off from the idea of you know precious is from a not from a big city she lives in the outskirts where still there are modern luxuries but at the same time her father is owns these cows that is what he is giving to precious he's a well-respected man within his town and within his village Uh, But he is also sick and we meet her father upon his deathbed, teaching her life lessons with his very last breath, which was so it it was such an emotional moment for that to be within the first five minutes of your show to say, like, this is this is the guy who taught me everything and he is gone now and I have to be his the embodiment of his lessons as I go out in the real world. But it's, in a way, too, it's like the the final the final gift, the final bit of wisdom is that inheritance. You know, it's giving her these cattle that she can sell and using that money to pursue her dream of moving to the city and opening a business. Like you need to have again. It's like it's a little bit earlier. So it's like what's that inciting incident that gets the character going? Yeah, it felt a little bit like a Pixar movie. Those first like couple minutes of just like oh yeah. uh, uh, oh. There's like an an older man like giving sage advice and setting this person's moral compass and showing this person how to experience beauty in, in the world and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to die immediately. This is going to be like extremely tragic oh, yeah, in about no, 45 you, you seconds. You cannot have really cute shots of a meerkat on a small child's head <laughs> yeah. and then not have someone die. Also, yeah. like best actor nomination for, for the meerkat. That's super impressive. It was able to balance on her head. Listen, so, that's why Magella has got an Oscar for directing. You got to get that meerkat to <laughs> stay on the head um what when uh, i was working on mr bean (laughs) let's talk about a few of the let's go forward a little bit and you know there's a few things that happen very quickly um we have a funeral we have a and then we have the moving forward the the learning about this passion the learning about this dream of hey we're going to sell the 180 cattle and i want to start a detective agency in the city um and i thought that this sequence not only introduced us to one of my favorite characters in this entire pilot. the car mechanic yeah our our car mechanic is it's jlb is um the initials that this gentleman goes by um and just what a delightful sidekick s character like yeah it, it, this show <laughs> so our our main character is played by jill scott um and i think she does such an excellent job but one of the things that i want to commend this pilot on is we have all of these like miniature watsons to precious sherlock and they're all an utter delight and they all bring such unique 
characters and such unique backgrounds as well for us to work off of. They do two things exceptionally well in this pilot. Number one, giving every character like their own thing. Like they, they're going to have their own proclivity. They're going to have their own, like a little bit of weirdness and a little bit of joy that they're going to bring into the script. Number two is that they don't waste character moments at all. There's, there's like, you know, when they, she meets uh precious meets JLB when uh, her car breaks down while driving to, into town and he get, he picks her up clearly like 500 miles away from town because they were driving <laughs> into the night to get to the town. And and it's so easy for that character to have not shown up again in the show, but they make him like an important part of it. I think something also contextually to, uh, that's important for the show is that Botswana is the size of France. And while France has over 66 million people, there's only 2 million people living in Botswana, period. Mm-hmm. So it is like, it, it is rural. This is a lot of these areas are very like far stretched apart from each other and very rural. So like this is going to be a small, small town detective uh, comedy. And I think I think you have to like almost write it in that way. Like that starts to become the universal thing we understand. And it's characters like um, Ra Matakone, uh, JLB, and then like BK, the hairdresser who she sets up shop next to, who provide these insights. There's a line in the prologue where she says that she wants to help people know the mysteries in their lives. And what we end up getting are a lot of the, where did you know it? These people she meets along the way who teach her about herself and who help guide her as well. And I think those become the universal beats that you understand at the heart of this story. So a couple of other things that happen, right? We get to watch Precious build her business literally from the ground up, right? We go office shopping Who would have thought that the new hottest accessory for an office is a donkey that's also living there? Uh, (laughs) We we get to see even the naming of her business as uh, the number one ladies detective agency. And this is where I'm just going to nerd out as an SEO for a little bit. Uh, For (laughs) for those who don't know, um, search engine optimization is very important. Uh, And I have to congratulate all of the businesses in this show for the naming of their businesses the number (laughs) one are you kidding me that's gold that would do so great Uh, the last chance salon i love a pun like that was also a banger of a name and i i just think that this is such a even though this is like that case of the week type show and this one's unique because we get three cases it's just so light-hearted and delight like i'm gonna use that word delightful a lot because i was smiling throughout this pilot watching just some of these moments yeah jeff i think you're out of something that if uh bk and rob Atacone had not done their respective trades of you know working on cars and cutting hair uh, they could have definitely gone into marketing this uh... (laughs) (laughs) also i will just say while the scenes while office shopping are so funny to me because i've worked in some like I've worked at some startups that just had absolute dumps of offices. If we just had like a, a converted post office, like where she ends up, it would have been a hundred times better where, than where we were. <laughs> we were I in like strong, gutted houses and garages. I think a really strong choice though is to show, because this entire pilot is really going to be based on uh, Ma Ramatsway eh, like, and like Precious and like building up her business, learning as she goes and seeing the challenges from the jump with no respect for the business. She's getting heckled by women leaving the salon. 
Uh, her first potential client is someone who just wants stamps and envelopes and does not understand this is no longer a post office. This is someone who we don't know if they're actually good at this or not. Yeah, this is Peggy Hill's books and guns <laughs> store <laughs> for in terms of immediate reception. So one thing that immediately, like, Rich, you know, when you suggested this, I didn't go, I went in with zero research because I think that's important. Go in like the audience back in mm -hmm. 2008 of like, hey, this is based off of a book. Can't wait to see it. It's a very successful book, as we just talked about. When I saw Anika Noni Rose, who had just come off of doing Dreamgirls and like getting a lot of buzz for being in Dreamgirls as Grace, the potential secretary, mm -hmm. I started thinking, oh, we might have something here. I might not, not just be smiling because this is a really fun police procedural or detective procedural. This might be something that is really, really good that some actors and like just based off of the writer, the director, we, we're already starting off with a pretty stellar lineup. But then you start seeing these faces that now, 15 years, 16 years later, we're recognizing as gigantic stars. And this is the first one where I was like, holy shit yeah this is just like mm -hmm. this is just this isn't even the star of the show and i i love our introduction to grace i think our introduction to grace as this secretary who's not your normal secretary she's an oddball but written so well is awesome it's it's just really nice to see something that's like Oh, yeah, making fun of the concept of a secretary just being a woman who's wearing a short skirt, literally in the introduction to our secretary. And Anika Noni Rose is like probably like in her 30s in this. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm old, but like, fuck you. Look, I'm like, I'm. The, what, the, what the Brits can write exceptionally well is one weirdo in the script. <laughs> they're, they're so good at it. They, uh, like the office, like the, the Dwight character in the office, like it just reminds me of. Uh, well, I guess Monty Python is all that character. Never mind. But yeah, it, it's just like, it's such a delightful character and it's so goofy. And she literally does not change the entire pilot. There's uh, all these people stay almost the exact same to their, they stay so true to their own personality the entire show. So let's talk about a few of the cases that we have. Um, because there's the best there's, named mysteries, the best yeah, named mysteries yeah. of any detective show. Well, I, I'm curious because I decided to take a shot at, um, <laughs> naming one of these, uh, <laughs> mysteries. So our first case is an audience. Why don't you take a shot as well? Our first case is about a woman, uh, named, uh, happy Bapesti. Uh, and we learned that happy thought that her dad had died only to have, a man come to her home saying that he is her father, but also leeching off of her. Uh, now, I personally called this the case of the imposter daddy, uh, but I, I just love that it's Happy Bepesti <laughs> and the dubious daddy. I was just like, yep, that's yeah. 20 times better. Every, uh, there's every, a Every individual case reads like its own like Encyclopedia Brown book title. And I love that so much about and it. And to paint the picture, if you haven't seen the show before, they keep a running chalkboard in the office where they list every single it's case so that comes through. And 
you see their their roster building up throughout this pilot, but the names they come up with are so fun. And like mm-hmm. this is really where the magic comes in for me that everything has it has alliteration. They have these titles. It feels even if we're not seeing this person be great at their job yet, we're seeing the love they have for it and you want them to succeed. Like every single thing that Precious does up to this point, I want to see her do well. Yeah, like, I I think that one of the things that the show also does great is like, we've, we've talked about our first case. It seems like one that Precious is stuck on, but then we have more of your traditional detective case, right? Where it's, hey, uh, we have Alice Boussong and the question of the cheating husband, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if we think about like a Dick Tracy novel, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out if my wife's cheating on me or if my spouse is cheating on me. She came to my office late one night. She had legs for days. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I I think that what makes Precious such a likable character is even though she's great at her job, there's sort of an innocence and a naivety to her that like is great. And that brings us to probably the hottest spot in all of Botswana. Oh, are you talking about, are you referring to uh, Go-Go Handsome Men's Bar? Yeah, I am talking about <laughs> Go-Go Handsome Where Men's Bar. Where you can bar. hear live jazz and drink a small glass of beer any night of the week. <laughs> Could you not, imagine? Not iced tea, though. And it's very specific to note that this is, uh, if you say this to Inspector Gadget, some shit will happen. <laughs> like, also, when, when I heard you could get a small beer when going out, I was just like, oh, <laughs> f- fuck yeah. Let's go. I'm only ordering small beers now. America like, needs to adapt the half pint. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. We're, the, we're the only country in the world where you cannot get just like a half pipe at any time of day. Anywhere else in the world, you do not have to drink a full beer and get bloated. You could just get a small beer. I've do met it. plenty of small Americans. We have plenty yeah. of half pints here. <laughs> but like go-go, we, I, I love this go-go scene because not only do we get the great jazz music, we get a little bit of the idea of like, yeah, one thing that sticks out about this pilot is how awful other women are too precious. Like that seems to be a consistent mm. theme of women just mistreating her because of looks. And like, that really was just something that I was like, fuck everyone. Like what? And I, I know it is written to be like, Oh, precious is different. She's unique. She's special. It's not about looks. It's about precious as the human being. Mm-hmm. But Max, you and I were talking before we started recording. When you saw a certain actor appear on screen, I'm curious what your thoughts were. So the the cheating husband in question, in the case of <laughs> Alice Boussong and the question of the cheating husband, is a man named Kremlin, played <laughs> by David Oyelowo who you could currently watch as Lawman Bass Reeves on Paramount+. Damn right. And I have never seen this actor have so much fun in his entire career. Like, I, I only know him from heavy, heavy dramas like 
Law Bid Bass Reeves and uh, like Selma yep. and seeing him just chew every piece of furniture in the go-go handsome men's bar. This is a brilliant comic portrayal. It is phenomenal physical comedy. They make this him... man is having the time of his life on set. They make him a cartoon horny coyote. I, <laughs> so listen, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Time out. I, look, I, I know that it is it is commonplace for me to say this is like the horniest show, the horniest character we've ever done. <laughs> there has never been a hornier character in 73 episodes of this podcast <laughs> than Kremlin Boosong. That, that yeah. man has got like wolf eyes popping out of his head, yep. tongue rolling down to the floor. So, uh, Rich, I have a question. As our Gen Z uh, correspondent, yeah. is this Riz? Uh, I, 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 I don't i don't know because okay so they have like uh, i mean one one other like note on the script is that like they ha there's clearly like a different and more direct way or different value of like talking to one another than we have in the u.s because they call precious fat all the the entire episode i literally have in my notes um i really don't like that he's just calling her my little fatty which yeah. is wild. Here's the thing, too. No one seems to be, like, concerned that it's, like, upsetting or anything like that, which leads me to believe that is, like, a normal, like, positive thing to maybe have there. I, I truly, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it definitely, as an American, it definitely made me uncomfortable. But I, I think that this scene was so important because we know that Precious is good at her job. We see these instances where she's good at her job. And this is where we, we see Precious be like, oh, she falls to, you know, her own naivety. Like, as I said, like she, she makes the case almost personal in order to solve the case by you know, having a little kissy kiss with uh, our guy Kremlin. I'm going to argue with you here, Jeff. Boy. I'm going to say that it's it's the naivety and we're not seeing her fully come into being good at her job yet. She's going undercover. She's in too deep. She brings a perp back to her place to try to get a photo of him as if this will prove to Alice that her husband is unfaithful instead of trying to get him with another woman. She gets too involved early on and her undercover isn't sustainable. And I think this is important because it sets up her being able to do a similar move with better success later in the episode. But I think this is her faltering so that she can fly later on. I don't think this is her being a good detective yet. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. This is, you know her being over her head with the situation and thinking that she's the smartest person in the room, realizing that maybe she isn't question uh, for the group though, who amongst us has not tried to take an awkward selfie with a cannon power shot of, you know, you know, a little, oh my kiss, God. kissing with someone, a little, a little kissy <laughs> selfie. You know what? Gotta, gotta give credit where credit is due. Paris Hilton has said that she created the selfie. And I think that Daniel uh, when taking that photo himself or Kremlin as he is going by in this because pilot, he could keep uh, a secret. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because he can what, keep a secret. Like the what was the fake name uh, that he used that he was just like, Oh, my name's not Kremlin. That's what the girls call me. It's, oh, it was like dollar or something like that. Dollar, was, That was the one. Yeah, it was dollar. And like, I, I love this scene. It was such an important scene. Um, but 
let's talk about there's one other case that is given to Precious that she doesn't sort of run into in this sense. And that is our case of, we've sort of joked about it, the, the case of a missing finger. Um, and I thought this was such a great scene, like, as opposed to seeing Precious being in over her head, we get to see her be an amazing detective, right? Mm -hmm. Be able to be able to find all of this insurance fraud. But I did not think in a case of insurance fraud, I was going to be crying on my couch by myself because of the reason why this fraud was being committed. <laughs> and like, that's where this show is different. That's where we're not out here necessarily catching bad guys. We're out here having these, in some instances, beautiful stories being told to us as precious as our storyteller. Yeah, and to, to elaborate a little more on, you know, Jeff's uh, detective mystery here, uh, we have a factory worker who claims he lost a finger. He's looking to sue and get a fairly large settlement. And through some digging, through meeting at the hospital, Precious uncovers that this man has filed the exact same insurance claim three years in a row mm -hmm. for the exact same sum of money. And that the lawyer who under various aliases and fake companies has filed the same case all three times is the lawyer who represented her father and is close friends with her ex-husband, a character who we see briefly, hear about a lot, uh, and has a really just awful impact on Precious' life. But the reason why this man is committing insurance fraud is not to buy luxury items. It's not for fancy clothes or fast cars. It's to donate the sum to an orphanage where his sister's child lives mm -hmm. and to take care of children who have lost families and have battled disease. And I think a reoccurring theme in this show are it's the like complexity of like, Oh God, how do, how do I even phrase it? It's like the, the Never, lights we uh, go to, yeah. to try to like do good, mm -hmm. even if it means like having to do it in ways that perhaps are not the most moral. Yeah. Like as opposed to law and order SVU, where it's like, this person is clearly a bad guy. Like they're, they're the person that Olivia Benson's trying to get. It's, Hey, this person might be doing something wrong, but, we don't know the full reason yet. Rich, I, I'd love to hear from you as well. Well, I think this uh, right here is where we turn a pivot of like, I think this happens in a lot of detective, like kind of campier detective shows. And it has like, I feel like I've seen it kind of in Sherlock uh, properties as well of like, oh, you know, we're going to solve the case of the blah, blah, blah. It's, or, uh, you know, it, it's like kind of lighthearted capers and stuff like that. And like, you know, you know, cheating husband, like, you know, a uh, uh, case of like uh, stealing identity and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, oh, we are now getting into the seedy underbelly of this town. And I like they really do a good job of turning up the stakes here. It's uh, what what was the name of the uh, there was like a, a mystery. Uh, there was like a detective agency agency show 
um that donald glover's old sketch team Derek comedy did oh like they did oh, a movie. About mystery Murder. team yeah. yeah 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 mystery team where they're like solving like oh who let you know who's missing cat is this and then all of a sudden they have to solve a murder like yeah. that that is like that's precisely what they do here and i think they do an excellent job of like turning this from campy to like oh she has some like real shit on her hands they they did a great job of elevating the stakes so while all of this show is happening, while we have these, some of these cases, which it's a little bit more complex, some of these cases where it is purely for comedy that we get this case, right? Like the case of the dubious daddy. Mm. We have one case that Precious just sort of, it just keeps on interacting with her life of this missing child. Um, and I, I thought that this was really a well done like yeah there are truly some terrible people out there that are no matter where you are there's some terrible person and you know we we talked about seeing daniel in this pilot when idris elba showed up as our dude bad i lost my fucking mind i'm so like, glad i did not check the imdb for this show because i had no idea that like almost immediately following the end of the wire stringer bell was going to show up in botswana claimed british dj idris elba <laughs> <laughs> like Baltimore, the- baltimore's grittiest <laughs> grittiest uh, uh gangster is showing up here future like, star of cats idris elba future, future James star Bond. Future star and part of the Fast and Furious universe, Idris Elba. <laughs> like, I I think that this was, it, it was great in the idea of, first of all, Idris Elba is only in the show for a few scenes, right? Yeah. Like, not even much. This he was, was, he was just in Botswana that, that week, yeah, and they were like, hey, could you come he, down to set? He happened to be. Things? <laughs> he happened to be in Southern Africa for a few days yeah. <laughs> and just showed up on set. But who among us having that, there was one very powerful scene where I don't want to spoil what happens in the scene, but Jill Scott, holy shit. Like you're mm. acting across from Idris Elba and it, they are going toe to toe. Yeah. And I am, I was just entirely just like, dove into the scene myself thinking like wow they are they are truly just acting against each other it is so well written and it is such a powerful scene that is dramatic yet like enthralling we've kind of hinted at this a little bit now where it's the show escalates very quickly where we get from kind of slapsticky cases of you know a strange old men pretending to be your long lost father and cheating husbands played by just the most comically hoardy supporting cast of all time to like crime syndicate kidnapping uh like real deep dark shit and what i what i like that they do is we kind of get the escalations of like comical case she she falters and then uses that falter to solve another one in comical mm-hmm. fashion and then like once you solve the comical cases we like escalate. She has to go toe to toe with like a big bad really quick. So like we do see in stages, little by little, her learning to do the job, but then like really, really ending up in the deep quickly. Um, but like I think it's important that like we see victories before we get to our big bad of the week. Yeah, it. it this was a very. Yeah. 
this was a very emotional part of this pilot, right? Like, yes, we, we have been, this is towards the end of the pilot. This is towards the back end of our almost two hour show. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I, I would say that watching this show, I did not expect to be as emotional as I was watching the end of it, watching, you know, we, we do end up, Precious does end up solving this case and we get a reunion that I was not uh, emotionally prepared for and was once again, you know, tearing up on my couch. We get this beautiful scene with the children of the orphanage and a donation of a, of a couple very large checks that could make a very large impact. Mm -hmm. And then there's one final scene of this pilot that was just so perfect. There, there were a total of five cases that were solved by Precious, right? Yet somehow, as a entrepreneur, there was no money involved for on Precious's end. And this beautiful interaction between Precious and Grace, her secretary, talking about salary, somehow just had me sobbing on my couch, being like, okay, cool. Did not think that a salary negotiation would... And in me crying because I'm not getting as much money as I thought I was going to be earning. And our, our pilot ends on a smile rather than many instances where it could end being like, oh, what's next? Oh, yeah. like, you know, it, it ends on just a genuine on a smile. There is. And, uh, and, you know, going through a little bit of the IMDb for this show, like one of the main trivia facts about it is that it, they I don't know. These are like crowdsourced and they're like, you know, fact checked only by other IMDb users. So, you know, take it with a great with a grain of salt. But they said this is the first feature film, first feature film to be filmed entirely in Botswana. And the fact that they use the phrase feature film means that they're going to bring this to a conclusion that this is going to be. I don't know how long the other episodes are, but I think this is like a are they all this long? They're about a full uh, well, hour. Yeah, they're oh, about okay. 52 to a full hour. Okay, so this is definitely like, it, it seems, I don't know the actual normal format of these types of things, but like, it, they went full movie with this first one, like you were saying, Jeff. Like, they, they really brought it to a conclusion. They built the world, and like, obviously, they can easily do a case of the week type situation with this. Like, it's charming. It's it's fascinating. It's like, you're, you're rooting for her. You're rooting for everyone involved, really. And then, uh, and then, yeah, they're they're setting it up instead of like leaving it on a cliffhanger, which like any detective show you would expect. Max, I'm curious, what did you think coming towards the end of this pilot? That like final 15 minutes of the show. I I think that you you see Precious ultimately succeed in a case where the odds are stacked against her. You see the town coming together around her. So you do get a conclusion to that arc as well. The people who kind of shunned her, you know, an hour ago are now rooting for her and cheering for her. You get these, I like how you get like nice little one-on-one -on -one moments with each of the supporting cast who's been with her along her journey so far. Like, so she gets that individual beat with each person. Um, and, and I like that it ends on a brighter tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll get. I'll save what I'm thinking for when we get into to what we love that we didn't talk about. Well, let's just dive into what were some moments about this show that you love that maybe we didn't discuss. In well, before you interrupted me, Jeff, what I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that this is the 
antithesis of the modern HBO crime miniseries. I think mm-hmm. about I think about shows like Shark Objects and Bear of Easttown, where it is things are constantly happening. There's always dramatic underscore. There's always uh, a violin as you open a door and you don't know what's going to be behind it. And that's what we've come to expect. And it's kind of also what steered Magella away from wanting to make this a feature film. I love that we just sit in moments in this show. I love that there's times where it is just, it is quiet and it is serene. I love that we just see a children's musical performance at an orphanage. I love that we have broad scape scenes. I I like that we just live in our setting and we live in our town and not everything has to be dialed up to a 10. It does not feel like American TV in that regard. There is a lot of negative space where things are happening in between that may not be for everyone. And if you think that this is entirely too slow, I will understand where you're coming from, but they do a great job just letting scenes breathe and feel lived in. And it creates some just real, real beautiful footage. Rich, what about you? What are, what were some things that you loved about this pilot? So there's one scene in particular that just like had me on the floor and it's the one where she saw, sol- she's figuring out how to solve the, the fake daddy uh, case where she has convinced the guy who's pretending to be this woman's father to get into an ambulance with her because there's been an accident with her daughter or with his daughter. Um, and then <laughs> proceeds to see if they need, uh, uh, proceeds to tell him that they need ha- about half of his blood <laughs> for, to help, to help uh, this person in the hospital. And just the, just the explanation of about half for the amount of blood that they need is so goddamn funny to me. I just like, I could not stop laughing. I, I just like howling from, from, from the living room. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've been talking about how stacked this cast is. Yeah. Like, the the father that we maybe get for two scenes in the show is played by uh, John Connie, who a lot of people would probably recognize from the Black Panther series mm-hmm. as uh, T'Chaka. He also is the oh, voice yeah. of Rafiki uh, in the new Lion King movies, and he also was the original Othello in the TV production of that uh in the uk like genuinely like are are you fucking kidding me he was in the show for two scenes (laughs) i thought you were gonna say he was the original othello and i'm like i do not think that he was alive no 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 no, no. he was not that great he's killing it but like i think that when you have a show that you're taking a chance on and you decide to just swing for the fucking fences and uh-huh. get the best talent you can. And in some instances, hey, we did not know, like, if someone was going to be, like, David Oyelowo. There we go. Sorry, David. Uh, we're on a first-name basis. Uh, now, at that point in time, wasn't the strongest resume in the world, but look at where he is now yeah right like we're we're looking we're (laughs) looking at it like bbc being like hey idris you want to come in for just a couple of days and like be the most terrifying person on this lighthearted pilot cool great like and 
Yeah, I, that guy I, was that guy was mere years away from being Dr. Martin Luther King in one of like the most important civil rights movies of all yeah. time. <laughs> so like my thing is I don't want this to be confused as taking shows that are pilots and just throwing in a star and being like, hey, we tried. No, <laughs> like this was so thoughtfully put together as a cast that was just amazing. And then also one other small thing, like I talked about it at the top, but like celebrating Botswana mm -hmm. in this pilot was obviously very, very important. Celebrating the beauty of the country and the beauty of Africa and all of its people, all of its creatures was something that really I enjoyed a lot. And like that it, it's so important to celebrate where your stories are originating from. Mm -hmm. And rather than it's more than just the characters, like, that that is really really fucking cool. Um, now I, I said all that. Any wait a minute moments for you guys? Um, yeah, I, I just one about the main about Precious's story and like what drives her and stuff like that. Um, and maybe this is just like a difference between British slash Botswana TV versus American TV. But I didn't see a lot of her struggle and drive early on to like, oh, yeah, of course, she's going to like go this extra mile to like to help all these extra like to put herself in danger to solve these cases. Like, I almost didn't understand why she was like driven to put herself in danger to to take on some of these more risky cases. Um, and I, that was just like a small character note of just like I wanted more more outside factors like pushing her there. Max, uh, what about you? Yeah. Um, I think just for me, and look, I, I don't want, I, I, you got to kind of be a war nominee writing it. I don't want to harp on it too much, but mm -hmm. it does feel like it, it's almost, it's not quite movie. It's not quite TV pilot. Yeah. Just totally. There's a lot of like vignettes and cases of the week that just kind of like, disappear once yeah. they're done and we're like wrapping things up in the middle but then there's still so much time to go i just wish that it either had i don't know i think i would have liked this more if it was just a true tv hour and mm. we just committed to the ideas we hit our beats quicker because it does it does drag it does yeah, well i don't totally. want to say drag but it does <clears throat> it does take a long time to get to a conclusion is a lot of information you have to learn on the fly. There, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long, it's a longer walk than most. Yeah, yes. to to give everyone, all of our frequent flyers, a peek behind the curtain. I was very upset at Rich before find, <laughs> watching this pilot. Uh, I I genuinely said some not nice things to him about picking a two hour show for me to watch, which you uh, immediately big, rescinded within the first yeah, ten minutes of watching. Within it. within ten minutes, I was like, "Nope, this is great." Um, we do have one more question, and that is from a frequent flyer, uh, and an in flight question, um, and that was basically. With this show being based off of a very successful book series, what's a book series or book that you'd like to see a TV show based off of? Boy, I this was hard because it's it's hard to see any like well-selling book not already giving TV options. And if very you watch true. like a, if you watch shows or if you watch the movie American Fiction, they talk about that a lot at length. Um, I love that movie, by the way. You should go see it. 
Um, but there is, I, so I read mostly nonfiction at this point, uh, and I probably should venture out into more adventurous things. Um, but I would love to see a TV representation of anything that Robert Caro has written because he is arguably the best biographer that's alive right now and will spend 10 years investigating like one particular subject for a book. Um, I think that amount of detail would lend itself to like a really, really great series on, on TV. Max, what about you? So I'm going to go with a book that I love that actually was optioned at one point at HBO about 13 years ago. It subsequently fell apart and has mm. never had an adaption since. Uh, but I'm going with The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbach. Uh, it is a great coming-of-age book about an undersized baseball prospect from nowhere, South Dakota, <laughs> who goes to play community college ball and becomes this, you know, all-American potential type player and gifted fielder, even though he's too small to be shortstop. And it's about coming of age and life and love and baseball and mental health. And I think that in this real peak time of streamers doing these young adult shows that are finding such rich audiences, I think of uh, Never Have I Ever, Samurai Turned Pretty, Sex Life of College Girls. Mm -hmm. I think a show based on the art of fielding could really find a good YA yeah. audience. Um, and I think that it has all the potential to be the sports version of one of those shows if given the right treatment. Uh, and yeah, it, it fell apart 13 years ago in development. Maybe there's a chance for it to come back. What about the what about the the book series, uh, The Kid Who Only Hit Homers? You remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but one day he doesn't, Max. <laughs> so I had... Um, one of my favorite books series of all time, because I'm a nerd, is um, Aragon. But Aragon is uh, being turned into supposedly a TV series on Disney Plus, which I'm very I, excited about. This is one of the hardest questions that we've ever been asked because everything has been optioned. Um, so I actually, there is a book series. What if I told you guys there is a book series that had over 40 installments but has never been turned into a TV show. Is it the show. Bibble? No. Uh, <laughs> That's how you pronounce it, right? It's the Bibble? Yeah. Um, Can't wait to see no, the popcorn it, bucket. It's, it's called, so... Um, <laughs> it must be cut in half. <laughs> so there is a series called the Red Wall series. Um, and it is this amazing fictional series where... It is based off of woodland creatures living in medieval times. Mm. And as opposed to, but the history builds on itself. So the first one is just called Redwall and it's, it's amazing. But then from there, we're going hundreds of years in the future and generations and generations of building up. And it's just so like game of Thrones on steroids type of lore. Right. And it was, I will say this is one of the dorkiest things I'm into. I have read almost every single one of these books. <laughs> and I, I, I just think that with the interest that we're seeing in things like the Lord of the Ring prequel series, sure. that's destroying on Amazon where we are with technology. So specifically not the Hobbit is that there's more beyond like before the Hobbit. Oh yeah. There's more beyond oh, the God. Hobbit. Uh, how many how many great. trips to New Zealand does Peter Jackson need? 
So many. Rich, uh, he's from there. Yeah. Oh. All right. Um, but so so Redwall was it's considered a children's fantasy novel, but it was made between 1986 and 2011. Like we're mm. talking about so much, and that's a long. Um, if you're looking for a book series to just dive into, holy shit, this is the one for you. <laughs> for you to read uh, until you die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, start now. Um, and yeah, I, I think that I'd love to see that someday. But um, let us know in the comments, what's a book or a novel that you would really like to see? Yeah, if you can think of one. a TV show that hasn't already been turned into one. Has, it, um, has there been a Calvin and Hobbes TV property or movie? There's an animated show probably somewhere that I am not aware of. Because um, that's like, I would I would cry my eyes out at a Calvin and Hobbes TV show or, or movie. <laughs> And Fuck they're yeah. both voiced by Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> Every time. Mamma mia. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that in-flight question. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the legacy of the show really quickly. Um, there was only one season of this show. There was the TV movie that we watched and then the additional six episodes. But there's 40 hours w- of it, so you're good. That were originally <laughs> ordered. Um so the pilot ended up receiving 6.87 million viewers in the UK, which is actually really solid numbers, yeah. uh, especially because it was on the BBC. Um, the show did end up being nominated for 24 different awards, uh, including some primetime Emmys. Give and those BAFTAs, baby. One five. And that also included in Peabody for the TV show, not even in addition to the Peabody that the book won. Hmm. Um the show was canceled, um, and this is where I think that the representation might have played a little bit of a role in this. Um, so originally, the show was canceled, and they said, hey, we're going to make two more TV movies that tell and sort of sum up the story that people are in love with. That was back in 2011 that they said that. And then in 2012, they were like, hey it's done. We're, mm. we're never going to make this again. And that might've been part and due to due in part, excuse me, to the idea of who was involved in making this and some of the star power, but also, that's also the you, British model. I, I mean, the, the, they're two seasons and done, no matter how yeah. great the show is, they're like, no, I'd rather just, I'm, Oh, I, I thought you were going to say just abandoning things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Retreating. Uh, I, I will say that like, one small piece of good news that came from this is that because of this show being based in Botswana, because of this show and the investment in Jabaron, uh, and Gabaron, excuse me, there were local residents who were able to be trained in, who were able to receive jobs that previously wouldn't have, who received skills and training that, you know, isn't just readily available. And, that has made an impact. There's still lasting tourism to the site oh. of this show because of the show. Well, I was going to ask what it, what it did to the actual like film industry of Botswana. If it like kickstarted like something, so you know, it, you're training camera techs, you're training like boom operators, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, As Max said, there was a 10 year lease. They kept the sets. They kept that area active. And I believe it was used actually for some other films Dope. as well. So that's that's awesome. That's that's a really cool lasting legacy as well in this show. Yeah, they built a little um, Shit's Creek in in Botswana. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that is the history of the show. Rich, um, as we're starting to wrap up, 
you mind uh, telling us your game of the week? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to keep it uh, simple and light like the show. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of Botswana trivia because, uh, you know, yeah. I think we should know a little bit more about the the town or the, the country we just talked about for uh, for an hour. Um, so I, I guess I'll let you guys just jump in on both of these. But uh, Botswana is home to the world's highest concentration of what? Elephants, lions, vultures or antelope? I'm going mm. vultures. I've got nothing more to add. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say elephants. Uh, it think. is elephants. There is a nature preserve that has the highest concentration of uh, of protected elephants. Um, yeah. All right. And they really concentrate. They never forget. God damn. <laughs> God. All right. That's enough for me. <laughs> that's been that's right, Rich's that, game that, of the week. That, that's Rich's game. <laughs> One question. <laughs> All right, uh, because no one can shut the fuck up about uh, nonstop marketing juggernaut Taylor Swift, which one of Taylor Swift's music videos was filmed in Botswana? A, Cruel Summer, B, Daylight, C, All Too Well, D, Wildest Dreams. Max, do you want to get uh, your partner to answer this question? No, really no, 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 you're not cheating. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Um, uh, wildest Dreams, I, I got no fucking idea. Jeff? Cruel summer. Let 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 my wife be disappointed in me. <laughs> it was wildest dreams. The entire uh, oh, way to go, Max. The entire uh, music video takes place in Botswana. The second feature uh, film. <laughs> listen, Swifties who accidentally find this clip on TikTok, if you could all subscribe to the podcast, that would just be <laughs> yeah. the greatest thing to ever happen to us. And if you could all hate subscribe me or hate follow me, that'd be great too. Yeah, that would be great. It could be it could be New Heights and then us. That would be really appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, last question for you both. The currency of Botswana, as we know, is Pula. What does Pula literally translate to in Setswana? A, bless. B, rain. C, father. D, treasure. Um, I'm going to say father. Um, let's go with rain. It is rain, Jeff. Two for three. Uh, it, go. it is uh, it is known as a uh, blessing in Botswana because it is a uh, desert area that uh, that rain is a uh, blessing and they name their currency after it and they can oh, literally man. make it rain. Well, Jeff got the nature and culture and, uh, culture and currency questions and I got the Taylor Swift one. So who's <laughs> yeah. <your> wedding? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, thank you for a really lovely game of the week. Um, two final questions for you, gentlemen. One is super simple. After watching 113 minutes of this uh, <laughs> pilot, would you continue watching more of the show? Rich, just so you know, 52 minutes is around the average of Sweet. the other episodes. And then secondly, you know, we were robbed of more of this show, in all honesty. there was There were plans for it to be made, and those plans were taken away, even if it was just TV movies. Um, do you think there should be more of this show? Do you think that something like this should be existing on HBO and BBC? Rich, I'm going to start with you. Um, okay. So first of all, uh, knowing that the rest of these episodes are shorter, hundred percent, I'm down to watch more. Um, and I'm going to give a very rare yes to, I think that they should keep making this. Cause I, I almost never say that about a show and because like, you know, for capitalism reasons, shows get canceled, but I feel like this one, the 
property is strong enough, the book series is strong enough where they can continue to do this. Doesn't need to be a two hour long feature film for TV. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I just looked up almost, you know, it is really close to about half of the best picture nominees in runtime. Like that's insane. Um, but the show itself, I think it lends itself to like the, the characters and, you know, obviously you can have more crimes of the week than what seven episodes that we've done. So like that, that exists in this whole season. Um, I think it would do exceptionally well with like a new cast too, like some exciting actors. Um, also we have, again, very, very little Africa representation at all in, in TV and globally. And I think that sucks. I think, I think it sucks that we know so little about an entire continent and it would be nice to have stories that aren't about like, oh, this area is so destitute and poor and, you know, that kind of thing. It is, I, I want to see normalized characters in African countries. That would be lovely. Max, what about you? Uh, the, the biggest thing that almost keeps me from saying yes to wanting to continue to watch more is that it's an entirely different creative team that takes over the actual series um, portion of this because obviously Mangela passed, Richard Curtis yes. has been brought on when this was developed as a feature film. And while I'm sure it's very talented, I don't know if it's going to capture some of the same jokes and humor and things that I found so compelling about the way that Curtis wrote this and Mangela directed it. But I am going to say I would definitely watch one more episode. I do want to see what this is like as a TV hour. I want to see what the new creative team did with the actual TV series direction and to see if we could get some more guest spots like the comically horny David Oyelowo. Um, <laughs> I'm going to agree with Rich. I do think that this has the potential to be remade today. You have source material that is continuing to go. The last book was only written five months ago. There is so much that you could do within this universe. I think that we are in a peak time for genre blending and like when dramedies like this are really thriving right now. And I do think that there is a version of the show of this universe that could connect to the modern audience, that could be sharp, that could be poignant, that could have a lot of great things to say, and could definitely find a home somewhere in the TV universe we currently are in in 2024. Yeah, and let me just... I'll uh, finish this off and say, yeah, I I will definitely be watching another episode of this. Um, even though this was a movie to then go into a show, uh, which is basically, this is our first time watching other than USA Network shows, which seem to, you know, want to be 80 minutes or longer, no matter characters what. Characters welcome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> characters are always welcome. Uh, I think that this is the first time that I've watched one of those shows and just been happy afterwards sure and that's You're why really happy about betsy about it like i th <laughs> that is why <laughs> i think that this show should be rebooted mm -hmm. um i think <clears throat> that there is a necessity to have shows that just are happy like and there still can be lessons i i don't want fluff to be fluff yeah. Right. Because that don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't want there to all TV to just be fluff. Sometimes we need TV that makes us sad. Sure. Sometimes we need TV that makes us think a little bit deeper. But sometimes you can teach those lessons and also have joy associated with how you feel ending the episode. 
at the same time. And the performances that were provided by the show left me just smiling and left me delighted once again. So, you know, I, I hope that at some point in time, there's an executive who maybe looks at the show and looks at these books and says, hey, let's give it a real shot. Let's give it a real chance. It doesn't need to be these gigantic pictures with gigantic budgets, but let's go to Africa, let's film, let's take chances, and let's really give this really great book series a chance of shining where there might be more, I don't want to say tolerance, but there might be more of an audience today than there was even just 16 years ago. Sure. Um, with that all said, and as our flight comes to a land with three yeses, it appears, yeah. um, I'd love to let folks know where they can find the two of you. Rich, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me writing the grittiest season of True Detective yet with Precious and Grace. And uh, you can also <laughs> find me on Instagram at Dan That's Rich. You can catch original sketch comedy from Max and I on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. Max, what about you? You can catch me enjoying a small beer at the Go Go Handsome Men's Bar and on all <laughs> things social media at Maxwell Singh. I knew you were going to do Go Go Handsome Men's Bar on it, and so I had to think of another one. Go Go Handsome Men's Bar. <laughs> go Go Handsome Men's Bar. That will be in your head for an entire week. And you can find me hanging out with BK at the Last Chance Salon, trying to figure out what do I do with my hairline? Uh, but if you are looking for me on social media, you can find me at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots license anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, we publish episodes every Thursday, so looking forward to having you join us as the Free Flyer. If you're looking for us on social